Our scripture reading for this morning is from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. As we read in Isaiah, uh, the grass withers. I have said this a million times, and I've completely forgotten it. So this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning we read of Jesus' birth. Matthew essentially tells us, hey, it happened like this. Mary and Joseph were betrothed, which means that they were engaged to be married. But before they got married, before they had any sort of relations, Mary becomes pregnant. Now, since she's pregnant, and Joseph is clearly not the father, you can understand why Joseph would be concerned. We know from this passage, we know from Luke chapter 2, that no, Mary didn't get pregnant by any ordinary means. God's Holy Spirit brought about a miracle where for the first time ever, a virgin conceived a child. The angel Gabriel had told her that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. But despite what she has likely told Joseph, it doesn't seem that he's convinced. He intends to divorce Mary quietly. Now, I just said they, they, were mar- they were engaged, not married. But back in those days, to break off a betrothal or an engagement was the equivalent of a divorce. It was much more serious uh, back in that time. And yet, we know God is very good at redirecting our plans, right? And that is exactly what God does for Joseph. An angel appears to him in a dream. And he tells him not to fear to take Mary as his wife. Why? Because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is all part of the plan of God. Mary hasn't been unfaithful to Joseph. In fact, she has been fully faithful to him and fully faithful to God who has chosen her to play this part in his plan of redemption. This is the power of of the Holy Spirit at work, God doing the impossible. And we read in verse 22 that really this had always been part of God's plan. 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now the prophet Isaiah spoke these words hundreds of years earlier. And through Mary, these words are coming true. God is fulfilling his promises. And this passage tells us that the child called Emmanuel 
and Jesus who is to be born are one in the same. Jesus is God with us. And that's precisely what the word Emmanuel means. God with us. But what does it mean that Jesus is God with us? Well, God with us means salvation. Verse 21, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is named Jesus specifically because he saves from our sins. That's what the name Jesus means. It means salvation. Now we know, if you open the Old Testament anywhere, that uh, the weight of Israel's sin was pretty great. We see over and over how they constantly disregarded God's ways and disobeyed him. And yet in those exact same pages, we're reminded of the ways that we have sinned against God over and over and over. And how this sin distances us from our creator, how it puts up a wall between us and him that we cannot climb. Try as we might, we can't seem to make it to God on our own. Because we've committed treason against the holy God of the universe. And our thoughts, words, and deeds have acted against him and against those made in his image. Our sin earned us death and the just judgment of God. But Jesus came to save us from our sins. Now, he could have come in order to condemn. He could have come in fire and fury to wipe out every sinner on the planet. But he doesn't. In the love and mercy of God, he comes to save us from our sins, to shed his own blood so that we would be restored in relationship to God. I want you to imagine for a second a, a giant chalkboard. And I want you to imagine that on that chalkboard is written every single thing you have ever done wrong from the very beginning until now. And it fills every single spot on that board. Imagine the shame, the guilt, the regret, the despair you might see, you might feel in seeing it all right in front of you at one moment in time. And then imagine that a flood of water starts pouring out over the chalkboard and everything written on it is suddenly and completely erased. Imagine the relief, the joy you might feel. And that is what Jesus did. He saved us from our sins. He forgave us. He erased our sins. They are gone. By his blood, he cleansed us. It's as if we'd never committed those sins against God. We are freed from them completely and totally so that we can live lives with God so that we can have fellowship with our creator. God with us means that God himself comes to us in human flesh. Old Testament scholar Catherine McDowell writes this, God himself had come. Jesus spoke to people. He fed them. He traveled with them. He taught them and he healed them. There were no layers of heavy fabric separating Jesus from sinners nor were there any barricades limiting access to God to only a few sanctified priests. Instead, he dined with them, 
he touched them and was touched by them. He was accessible in ways previously unimagined. He was Emmanuel in the flesh, and he had come to save his people and to bring them into right relationship with the Father. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? That the infinite God of the universe chose to become a child. A child who would grow up to save us by his own blood. What wondrous love is this? John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God with us also means that God is not just out there somewhere. He's not distant and unreachable. He's not unapproachable. In fact, he has come to us in Christ. He is near. He has made it so that we can approach him. So that we can come before the creator of galaxies and planets. Because the infinite God is approachable. God with us means hope. The people of Israel in the first century might have had reason to wonder, is there any hope? They were being ruled by the oppressive Roman Empire. The religious leaders of the day were just self-righteous hypocrites, essentially. And despite God's promises, there were plenty of reasons not to hope. Today, we see a world in turmoil. It's not that different. We feel turmoil inside ourselves as well. The ache of anxiety, of loss, disease. Some days we feel like we can't make ends meet. Some days we feel completely and totally worthless. And sometimes we don't know how we can even go one step further. But God is with us. If we have trusted in Christ, God is with us and is not going anywhere. He will not abandon us. You see, the one thing we can never say to God is that you don't understand. Because he does. God took on human flesh. He lived on our turf. He experienced the fullness of human suffering and pain. More so, in fact, than we ever will because he went to the cross. He experienced the fullness of God's wrath that we will never have to experience. We have a God who understands us. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We go through pain and hurt. Our God is approachable. We can run to him. He is near. Because Jesus is God with us, we are shown that we are not worthless, but rather we are deeply valuable to God, who loves us so much that he would shed his own blood. 
Jesus' coming reminds us that in our fear, our loss, our pain, God is with us. He will walk with us through everything. And we can overcome, not by our own strength, but through him. And we can have hope for a better day as we walk with him and as we seek to bring healing to the world around us in his name. And the truth of the matter that the resurrection of Jesus shows us is that even death itself cannot keep us from him. Finally, God with us means restoration to God's presence. Trevin Wax writes, the scriptures are clear that God wanted to bring us back to himself, to reconcile us, or to put it more simply, God wanted to be with us. He washed away our sin so he could welcome us into his presence. God expresses his love through his sacrificial actions in order to be with his people. Trevin Wax also writes, this is not a God who loves in the abstract. This is a God who loves up close and personal, a God who wants to be near us. The goal from uh, Genesis to Revelation is the restoration of humanity to God's presence. Now today we approach God in prayer. We can come before him. He is near to us. He is in this room with us right now. But one day he will dwell with us face to face at Christ's second coming. We read this in Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Friends, let us be reminded that the Christmas story tells us God is with us. This is the greatest hope in the universe. This means salvation from our sins. This means we can approach God. And it means that he will one day come to dwell with us forever and ever. And even until that day, he is God with us. Let us pray. Lord, you are incredible. You have come near to us, to a sinful people that have scorned your ways. And yet you have made a way for us to know you and be reconciled to you. And we thank you for that. We thank you for entering into our world, coming as a child to save us, Lord. Thank you for your love and mercy. Help us to embrace the hope and the beauty that is the Christmas story and the beauty that is you are God with us. In Jesus' name, amen.